Bad in the boondocks Bad in the boondocks People put down But what you're supposed to do In a small town Bad in the boondocks Bad in the boondocks Lord have mercy Can't be Bad in the boondocks Hey, and welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, I am one of your hosts, Stanley. And I'm Giroux. And today we've got two not-so-short cases. Unusual stories. So we're going to go ahead and get right on into it, if that's okay with you. Okay, you want me to go first? I can go first. And go ahead. All right, my story's on Albert Fish. Dum, and dum, it's dum. relatively an um, old story. Infamous. Um, yeah, it came from 1870. Wow. But, um, yeah, he was born in Washington, D.C. Wait, this story sounds fishy. <laughs> that was so corny. Okay, go. Albert Fish was born in Washington, D.C. on May 19, 1870. His parents' names were Rendell and Ellen Fish. Fish would be such a horrible <laughs> I guy. swear it would. Mental illness stood strong in his family's history. Fish's uncle was diagnosed with man... I think... Okay, well, it's basically a type of mental disease. It starts with an M. I think it's manic. Or manic, manic depressive? Um, that made... Or mania. 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 Okay. Mania. Um, and both his brother and sister were diagnosed with mental illnesses. Three other, other relatives whose names have not been published had mental illnesses also. Well, that ran quite frequently in his house. Yeah, it did. Um, Fish was abandoned by his parents and sent to an orphanage where he was brutally beaten. Mm. Um, I am sure that this um, contributed to his mental condition. At age 12, his mother, Ellen Fish, did manage to get him from the orphanage. Oh, how sweet. Yeah, exactly. He had very little education and worked with his hands more than his brains. After he moved back with his mother, he became friends with a boy who introduced him to drinking urine and eating feces. Well, most teenagers or young boys might get introduced to drinking alcohol. Exactly. And smoking weed. So well, that is a little different. That, it's That's a, it's a, a little change. different. I'd rather, I think, my child be introduced to yes, the alcohol. I would rather. <laughs> His crimes against children began in 1890 when he moved to New York City. Hold on. How do you introduce somebody to eating feces? I mean, you Are you like You do it, and then you show them how to do it, and then say, mm, it tastes good. So just good. one day Drink, you're like, tastes... yo, have you ever tasted crap? No, Let's I haven't. Try Let's, I want to do that. That's so sick. And then try it. That's sick. How, how freaking messed up that is. Um, His crimes against children began in 1890 when he moved to New York City. He became a prostitute to make money and started to molest young boys. He even cannibalized his young victims. Um, he did get married in 1898 and he had six children. 
He made his children play in sick games like paddling him with spikes on the end of it until he would bleed. He also liked to push needles deep within his skin. He even stuck needle, needles in his penis. Oh, ow. And um, doctors, when doing an x-ray, would find needles in his stomach from him swallowing them. Fish's marriage ended, and he began writing letters to women he found in the personal ads in the newspapers. He would describe sexual acts that he would like to share with them. They were used as evidence in court. wonder if he said... Looking for that special someone to eat some poo with. What? Whatever. Do the do and eat the poo. Yeah. That's disgusting. Actually, cannibalism is actually not as bad as eating the poo, I feel. Yeah, like I'd rather eat a person than eat the crap. Or eat my own crap. Ugh. Way rather eat a person, but. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to find my place here. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here we are. Here we are. For These real. Were, <laughs> Fish began painting houses in selecting areas where most African Americans lived. He felt like authorities would not search for missing African American children than Caucasian children. And you have to remember, this was in. The 1890s and stuff like that, so. Uh-huh. Why are my fingers so dirty? <laughs> 1890s. Probably you messing with the cow that you hit. No, what is that? By the way, he just hit a cow that was in the middle of the road. My fingers are freaking That's how we get that. bad in the boondocks. <laughs> no, but. Continue. Okay, um. Yeah. He used, he used the paddle, meat cleaver, and knives to torture his victims. In um, 1928, Edward Budd was, was 18 years old and looking for a part-time work to help out his family. Fish took advantage of this and introduced himself as Mr. Frank Howard. Fish met with Edward and his family to talk about Edward's future position. Fish told a lie, lie after lie to the family, telling that he was a Long Island farmer and wanted a strong worker, and he would pay them fifteen dollars a week, which back that was probably then a lot. Was a good amount of money. The family trusted the gentleman and were excited for Edward. Fish told the family that he would be back in a week to pick up Edward and Edward's friend and take them to his farm to begin working. Of course, he missed the date to pick them up, but sent a telegram instead discussing his apologies and set a new date. Fish arrived at the home on June 4th, like the letter said. He came bringing gifts for them and sat down for lunch. Fish, who is um, Mr. Howard, known to the family, said he was going to his aunt's birthday party, and he insisted on taking the bud's oldest daughter 10-year-old Grace Bud to the party. They agreed, but little did they know that this would be the last time they would see her. Instead, he took her to an abandoned house, and he sent a letter to the Bud's family six years later. And now I will read the letter, which is very disturbing. 
Um, yeah. I'm ready. My dear Mrs. Bud, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a hand on the steamer Tacoma Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco for Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. Oh, Lord. That would yeah. suck. <laughs> At that time, the famine in China, meat of any kind was from $1 to $3 a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 year old were 12 were sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the streets. You could go into any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stewed meat. A part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. Yeah. A boy or girl's behind which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest price. John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven, and took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet. They burned everything they had on. Then he burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night he spanked them, tortured them to make their meat tender. Yep, real good and tender. <laughs> First he killed the 11 year old boy because he had the fattest ass and of course the most meat on it. Well, duh. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except the head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven. Um, boiled, broiled, fried, and stewed. The little boy was next. Went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100 Street, near right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, Brought you some pot cheese straw and strawberries, and we had lunch. Grace sat on my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind that I was going to eat her. On my pretense of taking her to a party, you said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I knew, <laughs> I knew if I didn't want to get her blood on them. Okay, yeah. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her into small pieces so that I could take my meat to my rooms, cook and eat it. 
how sweet and tender her little ass was roasting in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not have sex with her, though, but I could had I wished. She died a virgin. Wow, that was sick, to say the least. Yeah. And how horrible to be her parents and get that. Or how horrible to be her well, yeah. being cut off. Yes, but, but I'm know. saying, I mean, wow. That would okay. be bad. Well, this letter brought a very big um, break in the case, which was six years later. The paper that it was written on led police to a flop house where Fish was living. He was then arrested and confessed to killing Grace Bud, describing every ter- terrifying detail. His trial was short, March 11, 1935, and lasted only 10 days, and he was found guilty and sent to the electric chair. On January 16, 1936, Albert Fish was found dead by electrocution at the Sing Sing prison. I love that name, Sing Sing. Sing Sing, Ching 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 Chong. (laughs) (laughs) He said he killed over a hundred people, but Grace was the only one they could convict him of. And it's so funny, though, because they call him a serial killer, yet we don't know exactly. if he really... They only found guilty but of But I think that murder. he was just so twisted, I feel like, the need to call him serial killer. Even if he yeah, only killed one. Exactly. A sick killer. Yeah. Just total. Yuck. All right. Now you got a story for us? Yes. Mine's not... Well... Mine's not much better than that, actually. But I'll, I can't say this is an upper. It's more it's a downer, too. So. The person I'm doing is Richard Chase. He was an American serial killer. He killed six people yeah. in the span of a month in California. That's a lot in a month. Six people? Jesus Christ, that's like... That's something. I can't really do math, but that's like two a week. (laughs) It's four weeks in a month usually. Wait a second. Wait, two a week? Would be eight. Well, you know what I mean. It's fine. Anyway, he earned the nickname the Vampire of Sacramento because he drank the blood of his victims and ate their internal organs. Doesn't that just sound tasty, though? Better than the poo. Yeah, yeah, still. He did this as a part of a delusion that he needed to prevent Nazis from turning his blood into powder through poison that they had planted beneath his soap dish. What? <laughs> so that was his fantasy. Not his fantasy, but that's he what he thought. It was yes. Real life. yes. Okay. He was born in 1950 and raised in a strict household. He was beaten often by his father. In his teens, he became an alcoholic and also developed a penchant for killing and mutilating animals and fire starting. So, there we have two of the McDonald Triad. What? You know, the McDonald Triad, which is serial killers, they have a lot of, it is bedwetting, fire starting, and harming animals. 
serial well, killers you, you usually have those three. Cow is considered. <laughs> and you still wet the bed, so there's two. No, I do not. <laughs> sure, you don't. You keep on going. All these were common traits among serial killers in their youth. In high school, Chase had a handful of girlfriends, none of whom he was able to maintain a steady relationship with, partly due to his inability to achieve or maintain an erection, and because of an inability to become aroused in the presence of females. Upon consulting a psychiatrist, Chase was told that the root of his problems was either repressed rage or a mental illness. Chase did not seek any further treatment after this diagnosis. It would later be determined that Chase had an aversion to conventional sex and could only achieve arousal and orgasm through violent or disturbed acts such as killing animals and necrophilia. Okay. That's cool. Because if a live one doesn't get you, go for the dead one. <laughs> yeah. As an adult, Chase moved back in with his mother, and that's where he began to accuse her of attempting to murder him through poison. Chase's father purchased an apartment for him and forced him to move out of the house. Alone in his new apartment, Chase began to capture, kill, and disembowel various animals, which he would then eat raw. Yuck, at least cook it first. He then began to put the entrails of the animals he had killed into a blender in order to make smoothies. How much would you have to get paid for you to eat entrails? A dead animal. The entrails? How about a dead body? How about a dead body? I don't Just know. Just a dead body. How about the the buttocks of a dead body? Oh, I just don't know. How much would you want to get paid? I would say my price range, at least five million. Well, I'm just gonna say about five hundred. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say five hundred thousand. That's a good price. I'm gonna say no money. I'm gonna be the upper one here. I might actually. Now, if it's life or death, I'll eat. Yeah, right. No, you won't. Yeah, well, I probably couldn't. I probably would just die. No, you would throw up yeah chase reasoned that by drinking these smoothies he was preventing his heart from shrinking he feared that if it shrank too much it would disappear and then he would die he's a fruit cake <laughs> no he didn't like fruit oh, <laughs> in 1975 chase was involuntarily committed to a mental institution after being taken to a hospital for blood poisoning which he contracted after injecting rabbit's blood into his veins. Yes, he also used to inject it. Some do heroin, some shoot up blood. So that can cause blood, blood poisoning? poisoning? Yeah. Because the animal, had, the animal had something wrong with it. Had something. Oh, so what if the animal didn't? I don't know. I don't know. I just say, okay. I'd be very, that's very confusing. The more you know, don't inject blood into your body. You know what, but that is very confusing, like... No, I don't think so. I think it's just don't do it. If nothing's wrong with the animal, then you wouldn't have blood poison, then there's nothing wrong just with don't, it, right? Just don't do it. I don't know. Don't care. I just gonna, say don't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to try it. I'm just saying. Chase escaped from the hospital and went home to his mama. He was apprehended and sent to an institution for the criminally insane, where he often shared with the staff fantasies about killing wabbits. He was once found with blood smeared around his mouth. 
hospital staff discovered that he had captured two birds through the bars on his bedroom windows. He snapped their necks and sucked their blood out. Yeah, your person is a, maybe a little worse. Like, for real. <laughs> Among themselves, the staff began referring to him as Dracula. Dracula. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> After undergoing a battery of treatments involving psychotropic drugs, Chase was deemed no longer a danger to society. You've got to be kidding. And in 1976, he was released into the recognizance of his parents. His mother decided that her son did not need to be on any drugs. Okay. So, she weaned him off of it. His parents put him up in an apartment again where he began to, guess what, do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Eat some things. Yes. He began to capture torture to death and then drink the blood of rabbits, dogs, and cats. Can he find something that, never mind. On occasion, he killed and ate neighbor's pets and at least once contacted the neighbor by telephone to explain what he had done. At the same time, he developed a fascination for firearms and purchased several handguns, with which he practiced obsessively. He became fascinated by the crimes of the Hillside Strangler. He believed the Strangler was also the victim of the Nazi and UFO conspiracy that he believed he was the victim of. Are you serious? No, I'm not. I mean, yes, I am. (laughs) Chase also began to lose interest in caring for himself. He neglected personal hygiene such as bathing, grooming, and brushing his teeth. He stopped eating and dropped to a weight of 145 pounds. I mean, mean, unless you're tall, then you can't really He was tall. Oh, then. One day in 1977, Chase rang his mother's doorbell and greeted her by thrusting a dead cat into her face. Really? He then threw the cat to the ground, knelt down, ripped its stomach open with his bare hands, and stuck his hands inside the cat, smearing its blood all over his face while screaming. His mother calmly returned inside the house and did not report the incident to anyone. Are you serious? <laughs> so you she just imagine? calmly just went back in and shut the door. It's like nothing happened. Exactly. Just pretend that nothing happened. This ain't my son. On August 3rd of 1977, Nevada State Police discovered Chase's Ford Ranchero lodged in a sand drift near Pyramid Lake, Nevada. Inside were two rifles, a pile of clothes, a bucket full of blood, and a cow's liver. The officers tracked down Chase, who was naked and screaming in the sand, soaked from head to toe in blood. When questioned, he claimed that the blood was his own and that it had leaked out of him through his flesh. How does that even happen? It doesn't. On December 27, 1977, Chase fired a 22 handgun into the home of a Sacramento woman. A police search of the woman's home found the slug in her kitchen, but no one was harmed. On December 29, 1977, Chase killed his first victim in a drive-by shooting in an apparent warm-up for the crimes he planned on committing. The victim was Ambrose Griffin, a 51-year-old engineer and father of two, who was helping his wife bring groceries into their home. 
one of Griffin's sons reported seeing a neighbor walking around their East Sacramento neighborhood with a 22 rifle earlier in the week. You might want to go get the pizza. Oh, yeah, I do. Gotta yeah, I smell it. it, don't you? Go ahead. Okay, let me. I'll, I'll continue. Back. I'll be back. Sacramento, okay. The neighbor's rifle was seized, but ballistics tests determined that it was not the murder weapon. However, it was determined that the twenty-two used to kill Ambrose Griffin was the same one used to fire the bullet into the kitchen of the Sacramento woman two days before. On January 11th of 1978, Chase asked his neighbor for a cigarette then forcibly restrained her until she gave him an entire pack. Two weeks later, he attempted to enter the home of another woman, but finding that her doors were locked, went into her backyard and walked away. Chase later told detectives that he took locked doors as a sign that he was not welcome, but that unlocked doors were an invitation to come inside. While wandering around, he encountered a girl named Nancy Holden, with whom he attended high school. He attempted to get a ride from her, but frightened by his appearance, she refused. He went down the street where he broke into a home of a young married couple, stole some of their valuables, urinated into a drawer of their infant's clothing, and defecated on their son's bed. That's disgusting. But at least he didn't eat it. Exactly, that. The pizza was perfect. Oh, great. The couple came home, because this is making me hungry. I'm really hungry. The couple came home while Chase was still in the house. The husband attacked him, but Chase escaped. Chase continued to attempt to enter homes until he came across the home of David and Teresa Wallen. David was at work. Teresa, three months pregnant, was in the middle of taking out the garbage and thus had left her front door unlocked. And remember, his sign was, if the door was unlocked, he was welcome. And if it was locked, they didn't want him there. Well, Jesus, then he'd be in our house all the time. I know. We always leave him unlocked. Don't come kill us. Chase surprised her in the home and shot her three times, once in the hand and twice in the head, killing her. It was the same gun used to kill Ambrose Griffin. Chase then dragged her body to her bedroom and raped it post-mortem while repeatedly stabbing it with a butcher knife. When he had finished, he carved the corpse open and removed several of her internal organs, using a bucket to collect the blood and then taking it into the bathroom to bathe in it. He then sliced off her nipple and drank her blood, using an empty yogurt container as a drinking glass. Before leaving, he went into the yard, found a pile of dog feces, and returned to stuff it into her mouth and throat. That is disgusting. Well, she was dead, so she didn't know. But still, it was like one final act of screw you. I mean, like, if we could actually see ourselves after we die, I mean, I would be pretty ashamed of what he did. On January 23rd of 1978, two days after killing Teresa Wallen, Chase purchased two puppies from a neighbor, which he then killed and drank the blood of, leaving the bodies on the neighbor's front lawn. On January 27th, Chase committed his final murder. Now, this one's bad. Okay. Which also qualifies as a mass murder. 
he entered the home of 38-year-old Evelyn Maroth, who was babysitting her 22-month-old nephew, David. Also present in the home was Evelyn's six-year-old son, Jason, and Dan Meredith, a neighbor who had come over to check on Evelyn. Evelyn was in the bath while Dan watched the children. He went into the front hallway when Chase entered the home and was shot in the head at point-blank range with Chase's twenty-two handgun, killing him. Chase then turned the corpse over and stole Dan's wallet and car keys. Jason ran to his mother's bedroom where Chase fatally shot him twice in the head at point-blank range on the way to killing Jason. Chase also shot David in the head. Chase then entered the bathroom and fatally shot Evelyn once in the head. He dragged her corpse onto the bed where he, at the same time, he sodomized it and drank its blood from a series of slices to the back of the neck. Medical examiners reported an enormous amount of semen in the corpse's rectum, indicating an unusual amount of ejaculations. Jesus, he was horny. When Chase had finished, he stabbed her at least six times in the anus. Oh the God. knife penetrated her uterus. Wait, did you say that she was dead first? Yes. Oh, I was about to say This that. is after he's Very done everything painful. else. He stabbed her in a series of vital points on the body, which caused blood from her internal, internal organs to pool into her stomach, which he then sliced open and drained into a bucket. He then consumed all the blood. Chase then went to retrieve David's corpse. How is he not dead from? I don't know. He took it into the bathroom and split its skull open in the bathtub and consumed some of the brain. Outside, a six-year-old girl with whom Jason had a playdate knocked on the door, scaring Chase. He fled the residence, stealing Dan Meredith's car. The girl alerted a neighbor. The neighbor broke into their home where he discovered the bodies and contacted the authorities. Upon entering the home, police discovered that Chase had left perfect handprints and perfect imprints of the soles of his shoes in Evelyn's blood. Chase, meanwhile, took David's corpse. Now, this is the 22-month-old yeah. that he ate part of the brain. He had taken David's corpse home with him, where he chopped off his penis and used it as a straw through which he sucked the blood out of the body. He then sliced the corpse open and consumed several internal organs, and he made smoothies out of the others. Honestly, this is, this is the most sick person we have ever talked about. Yes. Honestly. After all that, he finally disposed of the corpse at a nearby church. After the Wallen murder, FBI agent Russ and Robert were called in to investigate. They compiled a profile of the killer. They determined that the killer would be tall, malnourished, a loner, physically unclean, and that most importantly, he would continue to kill. Five days after the mass murder and after hearing the FBI profile, Nancy Holden contacted police saying she believed Richard Chase would be the killer. The police ran a background check on Chase where they came across his registration of a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol. 
Detectives and a team of police went to Chase's apartment where they asked to speak to him. Chase refused. The detectives and the police hid down the hallway and waited for him to leave, and they arrested him when he left the apartment carrying a blood-stained box. His parka and shoes were likewise blood-stained. Inside were pieces of shredded, blood-soaked wallpaper and the blood-stained twenty-two with which he had committed the murders. Chase claimed that the bloody wallpaper and bloody gun were a result of killing several dogs. When the police performed a search of Chase's person, they found that he was carrying Dan Meredith's wallet. Detectives, along with Ressler and Vorpigel, performed a search of Chase's apartment. They found the walls, the floor, the ceiling, the refrigerator, and all of Chase's eating and drinking utensils were soaked in blood. On the counter was the blender that he used to make his smoothies. It was caked in coagulated blood and the rotting matter of internal organs. You know, you know how stank, stank yes. that would be? Inside the refrigerator, police found several animal body parts wrapped in aluminum foil. David's rest of his brains were in a Tupperware container, and pieces of his body were wrapped in saran wrap. And several of Evelyn Maroth and Ter- Teresa Wallen's internal organs. On another counter were several pet collars. On his kitchen table, he had spread out numerous diagrams depicting various aspects of human biology. In 1979, Chase stood trial on six counts of murder. In order to avoid the death penalty, the defense tried to have Chase found guilty of second-degree murder, which would result in a life sentence. How could you call that second-degree murder? I don't know. Their case hinged on Chase's history of mental illness and the lack of planning in his crimes. On May 8th, the jury found Chase guilty of six counts of first-degree murder. The defense asked for a clemency hearing in which a judge determined that Chase was not legally insane. However, he has to be insane. Exactly. To do that. Chase was sentenced to die in the gas chamber. Waiting to die, Chase became a feared presence in prison. The other inmates, including several gang members, were aware of the graphic and bizarre nature of his crimes. They were so scared of him. And according to prison officials, they often tried to convince Chase to commit suicide. They were too scared to get close enough to him to kill him themselves. Chase also granted a series of interviews with Robert Ressler, during which he spoke of his fears of Nazis and UFOs, claiming that although he had killed, it was not his fault. He had been forced to kill to keep himself alive, which he believed any person would do. He asked Ressler to give him access to a radar gun, with which he could apprehend the Nazi UFOs so that the Nazis could stand trial for the murders. He's freaking crazy, though. (laughs) He also handed Ressler a large amount of macaroni and cheese, which he had been hoarding in his pants pockets, (laughs) believing that the prison officials were in league with the Nazis and attempting to kill him with the macaroni and cheese. On December 26, 1980, a guard doing cell checks found Chase lying awkwardly on his bed, not breathing. An autopsy determined that Chase committed suicide with an overdose of prison doctor-prescribed antidepressants that he had been saving up for the last few weeks. 
1988 movie Rampage was loosely based on Chase's crimes. And that is the sick Chase. So, both of those were downers. Both were sick. But Chase was, he was, he, he was, was more. He was, whoa. <laughs> anyway, that's what we got for you today. I'm surprised that more people haven't heard about him. Or like he's Have you as, never heard of him? He's not as famous as. Have you never heard of him? No. Oh, well, that was interesting. Yeah, but it? he's not as famous as Al Oh, no. Ed Gein. No. And he did way, way more, more stuff. Way more. Oh, yeah. Yes. I don't get it, but that's all we got. Until next time, I have been Stan. And I've been Drew. And we'll see ya. See ya.